Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Rio de Janeiro at 1950. Eurydice and Gita are two inseparable sisters living at home with their conservative parents. Although immersed in a traditional life, each one nourishes a dream. Eurydice of becoming a renowned pianist, Gita of finding true love. In a dramatic turn, they are separated by their father and forced to live apart. They take control of their separate destinies while never giving up hope of finding each other. The film is called The Invisible Life. We're joined today by the screenwriter and the director, Kareem Anous. And uh, Kareem, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you for the interview. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Well, let's start with what inspired the film. What inspired Invisible Life? Invisible Life, the film is an adaptation of a novel. Uh, So I would say that the first inspiration for the film was when I read the novel and I fell in love with it. It's a novel, um, you know, that is, of course, it's the seed of the film, but the reason I was in love with the novel is because it somehow managed to draw a portrait of a generation of women that I thought I had never seen before, you know, like women that are now 80, 90, that grew up, you know, after the war, and that, you know, had so many things to fight against, you know, to be able to be what they are. I thought it was important to talk about them. You know, these are women that are alive, that are between us. And I thought, when I read the novel, I thought the novelist had managed to paint a beautiful portrait of these two ladies, um, these two sisters, Gideon and Regis, you know. So I think for me, um, I was very moved to see how women fought. And that's what the, 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 book, the book is about, you know, to be where they are, you know. Um, this is the first inspiration. I think I could also say that um, a big inspiration is the fact that when I read the novel, it reminded me immensely of my mother and of her friends, of women from my mother would be 90 years old now. You know, and there's all a lot of coincidences in the novel in my life. You know, my mother had one sister. They were very close to each other. They fought a lot, but they were very close to each other. Um, the name of my aunt was Gida, you know, which is the name of the, the characters in the film. So. You know, when you read the novel and you feel it's so close to your own stories, um, and I actually felt a little jealous when I read the novel. I thought, wow, I wish I had written that novel. So making the film was somehow a way for me to negotiate with that feeling and, and, and sort of, you know, take it as a springboard to talk about, you know, these women. So the film really focuses on the idea of not only the time, the 1950s, but also a, a kind of a cultural zeitgeist of patriarchy and these two women were both in their own ways struggling to break through and break out of that 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 idea of patriarchy controlling their destinies um was that an important theme i mean i think it's obviously in the novel but i mean this is something that really comes through uh very effectively in the film to talk about that idea of the culture and 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 why that's so important to the story itself you know, I think it's interesting here because it's a film that's a period film, you know, it takes place in the 1950s. But I think it's a film that addresses issues that we're living through a lot today. And I think, as you said very eloquently, I think it has to do with a system that it's at play because of patriarchy. You know, I think that um, unless, I, I have the feeling like unless we get over that, 
unless we get over patriarchy and, and have a new system of affection between us, I think the world is not going to change that much. But what was really striking to me when I read the novel and I thought of the characters is that um, by questioning patriarchy, you somehow can tell stories from a different angle. You know, I'll give you a very practical example. You know, it's very interesting how, in general, one calls the first night, you know, between a man and a woman after they get married, you know, a honeymoon. And when you think about what a honeymoon was for a man in the 1950s, 60s, or even not a long time ago, it seems like it's a really fun night. It's a night where you actually sleep for the first time with your loved one. You know, particularly if you're talking about, you know, a moment in history where women were married virgins. Uh, and I think what I was interested here is to look, you know, maybe shift the perspective and think, what is that for a woman, you know? What is it for a woman to be marrying somebody that she doesn't really know, that she's never had an intimate relationship with, and with whom she needs to be married for the rest of her life, you know? So for me, I was really looking at... Um, the context of very patriarchal societies and cultures and context um, and thinking, oh my God, you know, what it is if we don't look at it as something that it was supposed to be like this, but it was it was a social coda, you know, it was a social social convention. So that's how also the, the story started, you know, because um, I think at the moment that you shift the point of view where you tell a story, uh, you sort of open up a new world of possibilities of how the characters behave, how they relate to each other, uh, and how we can actually learn from the past. Yeah. There, that scene of the honeymoon, uh, without giving too much away, it, it goes. It feeds into the, just what we were describing, this patriarchy, the expectation of the husband for this, for this particular night, and the apprehension and... Um, of the of the wife uh, and uh, and and how that I mean that was that was like um, that felt like a sexual assault more than it was a honeymoon night in in the film something so about the behavior of the husband in the in the in the scene this sort of taken for granted sort of this idea exactly. that this is an expectation uh, it doesn't really matter what her sense of this this moment is it's more about his own gratification I just it's a beautiful way, uh, cinematically, of sort of summing up just how how oppressive and how devoid of any expectation for the woman that that this culture breeds. No, absolutely. I think for me, you know what I was saying before, I don't think it's a honeymoon. I think it's a bitter moon, you know, and I think it's a bitter moon because if you look from the perspective of the bride, you know, it is very violent, you know. It is about it's it's somebody that she, you know. It's funny. It, it, we we tend to look at, at old people now and to think, you know, they never had a sex life because they're old. But they actually had a sex life, and I was very interested what that what was that sex life like, and to what extent there was consent. And and it was very important for me when I was making the film to interview all the women, you know, to interview women that are like between eighty and ninety, and to ask them certain questions about their intimacy because I think. There's also, when you talk about taking for granted, I mean, there's so many movies about the first night of a man, you know? Uh, but how many movies are there about the first night of a woman? How many stories are there about the first night of a woman? So it, it was very inspiring to me to do this film in the sense that, you know, since the stories are not there completely, and they were not exactly like that in the book, I, it, 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 it really allowed me to, to exchange with older women and to talk to them about, you know, intimate questions and intimate situations that I felt were not very much explored neither in cinema, neither in literature. 
So this was really, it was really important, again, you know, to not take it for granted, to exchange with the protagonists of those histories and those stories, which are, you know, all the women that are still between us today. As far as the patriarchy is concerned, this is also a film that I think has been talked about, and I think you have acknowledged it's a, it's a feminist film, and w where that bears on the story and on the acting and on this and how the story unfolds is these two women despite all of these very difficult hurdles to to overcome to try and get beyond to establish themselves as an independent person in this in this culture which i think as as echoes to today even as even though this is now 65 70 years ago these things are still with us and uh, the way that these two women, and there's just terrific performances, but the way in the story that they're able to carve out this their space for one another uh, is is a testament to their determination and also to their character. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I just truly love about this film is your ability to to bring to bear this this fierceness that these two women have and their determination to reunite. No, I think this is beautiful to hear because I think it is exactly what I was trying to say. I think these two sisters, I love the word fierce because it seems, you know, it's really like there's an edge to it. And I think it's so beautiful, the word resilience. So I think in a way the film is talking about how these women fought for their dreams until the end of it and how they were so strong and how they were so full of integrity. So for that, I think the film, that's really sort of the reason of the film to exist. But I was also interested, when you say feminist, I'm not sure. For me, I feel a bit strange to say it's a feminist film. I think I prefer to say it's, it's, it's an anti-patriarchal film. That's really what's at the core of it, because I'm a man, you know? Mm. And I think one of the things that's really interesting when I, was, when I was making the film and directing the actors and thinking of the characters on the set is that I think that the women... They are very strong and they are very resilient and they are very, um, yeah, very fierce. But I think they're very different than the women. I mean, they are they, they are similar women, but I think the struggles today are of a different place. You know, I think there's so much that was accomplished you know, in the last 50 years through the struggle of women. But I think what's not that different, and I think that's really something that I realized as I was shooting the film, is the man, you know. Right. And that's why I think... It's an anti-patriarchal film more than anything else. I mean, the men have not changed that much between 1950 and now. And I think that's really what I wanted to address as well in the film, is in one hand, of course, the strength of these female characters and of these two sisters were so, so incredible, beyond the fact that they are characters in this film. But, you know, for me, they're like real human beings. And on the other hand, I think it's so interesting to look at the men as well and to realize, you know, that they somehow haven't really accomplished much you know i think it's it's interesting to talk about female uh, reactions to the film and to talk about male audiences and and there's a real sense of shame you know when i think the men see this film and and, and i hope that this does make them act differently from our own right I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Kareem Anous he is the director of the new film The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzman you work with a cinematographer, uh, a, a woman uh, cinematographer in the film, um, for, on the film. And uh, I'm just kind of curious about the collaboration. It's such a beautiful film to look at uh, and uh, the, your ability to kind of capture this time frame of the 1950s. Uh, my congratulations to your production um, a designer and, and how you got all that pulled together. But the look of the film, it is... It's an intimate film, almost from the get-go. We're, we're very much, we're kind of 
right in the uh, in these very close settings with the with the women and with the characters, but also there is a certain um, openness to the film and the way it looks and the way it kind of helps. It allows this time to breathe and be a part, another character essentially in the film. Tell me about that collaboration with uh, with Helena Louvart. Helena Louvart is a fantastic cinematographer. When I started to think of this film, I thought it would be very important to have a woman behind the camera and to have a woman leading the, the photography and lighting department, you know, so there would be, a, you know, more, you know, the, the two actresses would be more at ease, you know, I think when you have a woman behind the camera, it's a real difference, you know, for those two characters and for two actresses. And then I came upon Ellen's work because I'm a huge fan of what uh, what she's done with an Italian director called Alice Rovasha. We did two movies. One is called Lazaro Felici, and the other one is called The Wonders. And that's how I entered the lens world. There was another director, you know, German director, I mean, not German, Swedish director called Pia Marais, that she did one movie. So I was looking at all these collaborations she had with other female directors, and I thought I was really, really, you know, taken by them. There was a sense of presence, a sense of a shooting character that was, there was so much humanity, and there was no. You know, this, it, it was very precise, you know, the way she did it, but also very touching. So it was the first time we worked together. There was something quite interesting because it was my first time doing digital. You know, I've always shot on on, uh, on celluloid. And uh, I wanted to have somebody who had that experience of shooting celluloid before. So this is something that we talked a lot about. Mm. And I think we took um, from the very beginning the challenge of what is the story, what is it that the story needs? You know, this is a very hard story. I think we also, you know, we thought it would be interesting to tell it in a very beautiful way, in a very sort of seductive way. We, you know, lots of colors, you know, um, you know, lots of, you know, very delicate lighting, you know, just somehow work as a counterpoint to what the characters are going through. So it was a fantastic experience. We did a lot of tests before we started. There was very little done in the post-production in this film. I'm very much from the opinion that, you know, it's important to know how do you want the movie to feel as you're shooting it and to look at it as it's going to feel and to just like fix things in post-production. So with Elaine, it was fantastic. And I think it was also an, an amazing collaborator in the sense of, uh, of of the mise-en-scene and how, you know, uh, how things, you know, sort of evolved on the set. So it was a wonderful collaboration. It's funny because when you shoot, it was the first time we worked together. So it's not, sometimes it's not easy to get to know somebody as you start shooting. But with Elaine, I think, what was also very interesting is that, um, thank God she fell in love with these two actresses and with these two characters. So there was a lot of affection in the way that she was shooting them as well. And I think that changes a lot, you know, when there's a real connection between the GOP and the characters and the actors that play the characters. Absolutely. Well, in the last couple of minutes I have with you, because the cast is outstanding throughout, uh, but I think we need to talk about Carol Duarte and Julia Stockler, who play... Sure. Yeah. play the main characters in the film. They are just spectacular. Now, I, I, I understand they came out of a theater background and the, the, their ability to kind of uh, project in the camera or to be able to just, the camera loves them, and I think this is a tribute to your cinematographer but uh, as well. But it, tell me a little bit about how, that, how you cast them and uh, their performances in this terrific, their terrific performances. Listen, I... Um... I did just research, you know. For me, it was very important um, to find actresses that um, that had experience in theater, you know, actresses that were quite fresh on the movie set. That's the first time 
that they uh, were on the movie set. So for me, that was very important that you have this sense of discovery. This is a his, this is a story of two sisters sort of discovering life, you know. And so I thought it was important that we could mirror that with with the way that these actresses, you know, discovered what it is to shoot the film. We did a lot of auditions. I think I did about three thousand auditions to find Eurydice, and then I was so taken by her audition. And then from there on, I tried to find Gida to somehow create, you know. You know, a sense of, a sense of complementarity between them. You know, so it was auditioning. I think at the end we did more than five thousand auditions, and then we got down to like the two of them, and then we spent a long time with them uh, rehearsing scenes that were not on the script. You know, rehearsing scenes that happened before the actual story starts on the screen, as in a way to you know to to provide them with with the possibility of creating an intimacy and a sense of closeness. That would be very important to have, you know, when the story starts. Well, they're just amazing performances, and they they just are raw, and um, they yeah, they're just beautiful, just beautifully well done. And I know that in your background, you go from documentary films to narr- back and forth between that and narrative films, uh, and I think that you see that in this work, you see that sort of rawness that. Uh, it feels like there was uh, a lot of uh, space that you gave your your performers in the making of this film, allow sort of to unfold on set. I know there, that's something that's important to you is to create a certain vibe on set. Talk a little bit about that. I think if I understand your question, I think it has to do with the way of shooting, with a certain freedom you have when you're actually making a film where you're not trying to go to the set to achieve something but to discover something and i think when you do that with the actors it's quite beautiful you know so there's a sense of constant discovering who the character is experimenting things that the character would do and i think this gives a sense of you know freshness and a sense of you know um and there's something quite wild about it you know? and i think that the fact that there were theater actresses you know when you're making theater you're always experimenting trying the limits of your character you know the elasticity of the situation and i think this was something that i was very much interested, you know, when I was shooting the film, um, which is to have a set, you know, in a process that we can change our minds, you know, we can figure out something is on the script, but, you know, if there's something more powerful that takes place on the set or, you know, for example, there were no letters, you know, in the first version of the editing, there were letters on the script and then when they edited the film, there were no letters, then I, I thought, you know, it would be interesting to try it out and see how it, how would, how would feel. So. The whole film was done in a way which was very much close, not to improvisation, but to be very aware that film, you know, when you're making film, you know, things are alive all the time. Yeah. And I think it's important to be, to be attentive to that. Thank you for bringing up the letters. That is such a, it's a wonderful device uh, for the film. It's kind of a through line for much of the film. And um, it is, uh, it's beautiful. It's just, just a, such a beautiful film. And I'm so uh thrilled Thank to be able so to talk much. to you about it. The film, again, is The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzman. When we've been talking with the screenwriter and the director of that film, and that would be Karim Anus. Karim, thank you so very much for spending some time with us. Today. Thank you for such an attentive and, and careful interview. Thank you very much, and I hope everybody enjoys the film. You know, Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. 
Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 